Hey everybody, Josh here, and you're listening to the Game Plan Podcast on the JRB Studios Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by the Fairway Bunker Blog. The Fairway Bunker Blog is practical, sometimes unorthodox, advice for golfers by golfers. For more information, head over to fairwaybunkerblog.com. Now, let's enjoy the show. Today is a special day because, uh, oh, I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Josh from JRB Studios, and this is an episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Um, I got a little ahead of myself because we have a first-time guest with us today, um, longtime teammate of mine growing up, and now good Don't friend of mine. <laughs> Don't date us with long time here. We uh, played a lot of baseball together, multiple teams over multiple years, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, and now we play softball against each other as adults because we both have kids, and so you know that's what we do. So we play church league softball. So. Hey, you gotta live the glory days. Man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Today, though, we're not talking about baseball. We're not talking about softball. Today, we are talking about uh, the NBA because the NBA season tipped off a couple weeks ago, and uh, something that I've seen as like a trend lately is people doing like quote-unquote, way too early NBA rankings or predictions or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so we decided that we might as well do it too. So I think what we're going to do today is we have both listed out all of the major awards, none of those like ones that nobody really cares about, but all of the major awards in the NBA. Where you get a trophy that actually has some weight to it. Yeah. <laughs> We've listed out all of the real awards. We've listed out the finals the finals MVP, and we've listed out our top five in the current power rankings as they stand on November 1st. Um, This is November 1st, so Stephen Curry has been hurt, so he probably won't make the MVP shortlist. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have been suspended, so the power (laughs) rankings will adjust after their next game. It's true. So uh, I say we just dive right into it. So uh, do you want to just go through our top five power rankings and then go into the awards, or do you want to do it the other way? Sounds good to me. All right, let's do power rankings first, and since you're the guest, I'll let you go first, and we'll just go back and forth. We'll just do our... You want to start at the bottom and do five to one, or do you yeah, only do one to do, five? We can do it that way. We can start at five. All right, let's do five to one, and then you go, I'll go back and forth. So at five, I have Milwaukee. Uh, they're just going to be, you know, easy all year. It's like we were talking about earlier. I think uh, everybody's over the fact that they've realized they're going to be good in a podunk town, Milwaukee, where no one wants to go. And... Uh, Giannis is just going to carry all year. Classic, beating everybody by 12. They're not going to blow anybody out. But the only game I think they'll actually get any kind of prime time stuff is when Milwaukee and Philly play. But I think Milwaukee cruises at five, probably comes out as a two seed when it gets to the playoffs. I can agree with that. I don't have Milwaukee in my top five. Um, They would probably be in the top ten if we made top ten. They're a really good team, uh, but I don't have them in my top five just because... I don't watch them enough. Like that's the reason that they're not in my top five. Mm-hmm. So. The Robin Lopez edition from the off season, huge stretch big. You know, gives Giannis a little more paint. Mm-hmm. I think will be a difference maker when it gets down to it. It's going to be good. They're going to be really good this year, and I agree with you. I think they'll be a probably a two or three seed in the East when it comes down to it. My number five though um, is it's going to sound crazy, but my number five is the Denver Nuggets. They make good crew. They, with 
Nikola Jokic, or however you say his last name. The Joker. He's, I mean, he's probably the best big we've seen since Dirk. I mean, if you ask me. Passing-wise, yeah, 100%. You've got Jamal Murray, who, up and coming, he's going to be great. Um, you got a lot of young defenders on that team. Michael Porter Jr. is coming back. I mean, they're going to be a good team. I don't, I, I don't know. Probably next week they'd be out of the top five, but at the end of the season, I see them coming in as you know five, six seed in the West, which think, is no small feat in the Western Conference. No, absolutely not. And I think they'll be probably higher than that. Um, realistically, um, I think you know you could probably put them. Uh, I have them at seven right now. I wrote out the whole thirty just in just for kicks and giggles to see where I had everybody at. But I have them at seven. I think Paul Millsap still being there, mm-hmm. give him the veteran leadership in there a little bit because you know he was on that Atlanta team that made a big push with Horford was still there mm-hmm. and Kyle Korver, and so I think uh, him being there, knowing the process of how to get to a conference final, will give him a big help too. I think they're gonna be really good. What's your uh, number four? So at four, I have Houston. Because, uh, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, dynamic duo right there. Um, I think adding Westbrook takes Harden out of the MP- MVP race and vice versa. But I think it also gives them a chance to do like what uh, Harden did the other night, scoring 60 points. Because, I mean, you can't key off of one guy anymore because they can both just go off for mm-hmm. 100 points between the two of them by themselves if they really wanted to. It's true. Um, the, my biggest concern with Houston, though, and the reason they're not in my top five uh, spoiler, not in my top five. The reason they're not is because their defense is so bad. Like they played Washington the other night, and nobody, nobody, not even people in Washington think that the Wizards are good. No, and they put up 150 something points on them. Like, I mean, you're gonna have to play better defense than that when you play like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Sixers. Like, mm-hmm. you're just you're gonna have to play better defense than that. Uh, but having Westbrook. And Harden is must. It's must see TV. I mean, hundred percent. So. I mean, you never know what you're going to get into. There's going to be flashy plays left and right, especially with Capella sitting in the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never know what kind of highlight dunk you're going to see from him. But I mean, at the same time, though, uh, like you said, I agree with you. That's why I have him at four. But I think four is the highest you can go because I mean, I compared it to Big Twelve football. I mean, it's going to be the last person to score is the be the winner, and mm-hmm. I think that's the best place you can put it. And so I don't even. I think they may make it to the uh, conference finals at best out of the West, depending on how everyone else is playing and how they match up. Because, I mean, depending on uh, who they match up with in the semis, it'll depend if they even get there or not. It's true. So my number four, uh, it's going to, you know, it's pretty cookie cutter. I got the Lakers at number four. Um, I know they're bent, they're, I, there's issues with the bench. There's concerns with the bench. When LeBron and AD are both off the floor at the same time, I think they've only done that once this season, and it was atrocious. KCP sucks this year. Um, he sucked last year. Man. <laughs> that's true. He had one good year in Detroit, then he came to LA, and it was like... Got that money. It's like, do you even know how to play basketball anymore? Uh, but I don't know. It, it's hard for me to bet against LeBron. I've never been like a LeBron fan, but I've never been one that's like, no, I hate LeBron. Like, you gotta I, have the respect for the yeah, guy. Yeah, like, it's hard to bet against LeBron for me. Uh, and so LeBron and AD, both MVP candidates to me, both two all-time greats, if you ask me. Uh, so I can't bet against the Lakers. I, I don't even have them in my top five. They're at six. I mean, I, I know that's just sitting right outside on the brink, but I think... Uh... My biggest concern for them is their bench right now. 
And I think part of that is uh, they basically traded their entire bench for Anthony Davis in the offseason. <laughs> and so, I mean, I mean, on top of on top of picks. So, I mean, you can't, especially when you get into late, you have foul trouble, which LeBron gets into foul trouble, you know, going towards the end of the first half, into the second half. And, you know, he's always played with stars around him that, we're pretty consistent in staying on the floor and not getting in foul trouble. And now with Anthony Davis, who, I mean, he's a rim protector, he's going to get in foul trouble. And so I think when you especially get into the playoffs and you have people like the Clippers who are sitting there and Houston who are going to just be running at you at the at the, at the uh, at the lane and everything else, I, if you get both in foul trouble, they're going to run into that spot where both of them are going to be on the bench. And it's going to be hope for the best that we don't get too far behind before we run ourselves out of the game. I definitely agree. I think the Lakers, before the trade deadline, they're going to have to bring in at least one other, if not like superstar, at least an all star. Because you got to have somebody when somebody's when you got two guys in foul trouble. When your two best players on the floor are in foul trouble, you got to have somebody who can at least run the offense. And right now they don't. So, so uh, I think with the way Washington is right now and the with way Bradley Beal is, I would be shocked if you don't see a John Wall trade to the Lakers because you could get him cheap right now, Mm -hmm. and he'd be a good offensive weapon, let LeBron not have to handle the ball for Los Angeles. And I think John Wall's attitude and personality and style, I think it would all be attractive to L.A., and there were trade rumors about him going out there last year, and I think Washington's ready to get rid of his contract, let it become Bradley Beal's team, let it kind of center around him because of that animosity that they had forever. I think that'd be a... uh, Trade deadline look that you might be looking for. That'd be huge. All right, who's your number three? Uh, three, I have the Clippers, and this is Clippers minus Paul George. Any as soon as you add in MVP candidate, possible you know defensive player of the year, and then I mean most improved player from a couple years back. I mean they're gonna obviously push up the list, but mm-hmm. I mean L.A. Clippers with Kawhi only, not counting like Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly, you know all these cats that are sitting down there. I think it's just an insane team that can score a lot of points. And uh, the big thing that I think they do really well is they're going to stuff people on defense. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're higher up on my list than number three. Uh, but once they get Paul George, they're going to be number one, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Um, but I completely agree with everything that you said, but I'll save it for when I talk about the Clippers here in a minute. My number three is the Utah Jazz. Uh, and if you'd asked me this last year, I would have never put the Utah Jazz in the top five, not because they were a bad team, because uh, they were a playoff team. They were you know, a pretty decent team. Donovan Mitchell is like a... Uh, he's like a great value version of Dwayne Wade right now. Give him a couple of years. And He'll be a perennial all-star. He's going to be so good. Done. Rudy Gobert, best defensive player in the league, mm-hmm. uh, outside of Draymond maybe. Uh, I I think adding Mike Conley this season brings in a guy who is a proven defender but also can give you 30 points if you need it. So, I mean, the Jazz to me are right now probably the second best team in the West. I don't, I don't know how it will look at the end of the season, but yeah, no. but they're up there. So I'll, tell, I'll go ahead and talk about it right now too because I have the Jazz at two because of just the way they're playing right now. I think – uh, the conference finals in the West will be the Utah Jazz and the LA Clippers. I don't think the Lakers will even make it. They'll get beat out by one or the other. Because the Utah Jazz with Mike Conley and then uh, 
Bojan Bogdanovich, mm. the pickup from Indianapolis. I think uh, it gives them the two, two scoring options they needed with guys that still play defense, which fitted their mold. Yep. Last year it was, you know, we got to keep teams around 70 points and then score about 85 and go from there. I mean, now they can drop 100 on anybody that they wanted to and then stuff people still at 70 points. Mm. And I think, you know, your big, uh, your big question is when, you know, you have a starting five of Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert, who is going to, who is not going to score on you? Yeah. I mean, who are you not going to let score? Because, I mean, you match up well at every position with size, length, and then guys who have all been considered for defensive player of the year at some point in their career. Mm-hmm. And having Joe Ingles play the four really makes him, like, it stretches the floor out tremendously 100%. for Donovan Mitchell because Joe Ingles is arguably one of the best shooters in the game. I mean, I put him up there in, you know, top five, top eight shooters in the game. So, I mean, when you've got him on the floor, you're going to have more room for players like Donovan Mitchell to get in the paint. Exactly. And it clears it out for Gobert to be more of a force in the paint as well because, I mean, they were playing this almost like a two-center set last year, and so it really clogged the paint up. So Mitchell, as a slasher, couldn't get in there. And then, you know, with uh, Gobert not being a great floor stretcher, I mean, it gives him some room to work. And I think the big difference right now is the Mike Conley pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, with Mitchell, Bogdanovich, or Ingles to kick the ball to. I mean, how do you guard it? (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, on paper, to me, on paper, they're probably second, third best team in the league. Uh, We'll see how it shakes up as far as injuries. And because Mike Conley has had a history of untimely injuries mm-hmm. uh, i mean i was a huge fan of the memphis grizzlies back five six years ago because i got to go to a game in memphis and just kind of fell in love with them and mike conley has been my favorite player since but it just seems like every single year it's like since that huge playoff push they made against the warriors a couple years ago it's like man mike conley just can't stay healthy so that's the big thing for me with with the jazz is can you stay healthy and I think him going to the jazz though will give him the opportunity to stay healthy because you got to think in memphis what help did he have yeah, load management so, I mean, here. Load management, you know, he can take games off and they're still in contention. Mm-hmm. Instead of in Memphis, you're scratching and clawing for every game during the 82-game season. Yeah, And so I think now they can manage his health. You know, if something doesn't feel right, he can take a couple of games off and it's not a big deal. Yeah, And so I think uh, having the ability to do that to where he can almost take a LeBron-type approach to his game style where it's... He can go hard when he needs to, but he can really pull the reins back and let some youth take over and Mitchell. And then, you know, you still have Gobert you can run pick and roll with in, in a wheelchair practically because yeah. of how great the guy is. And so, I mean, I think Conley's going to stay healthy this year, and I think he's going to have a career-changing season. I agree. So my number two uh, was the Clippers. And so just kind of, I just kind of echo everything that Drew said. Like, I mean, you can't score on them. And length, I mean, they, they've got Patrick Beverly, who is probably one of the best defenders in the game, especially at his size. You've got Kawhi Leonard, who's one of, if one of, if not the best two way player in the game, you got Paul George, yeah, you got Paul George, who's one of, if not the best two way player in the game. I mean, you're not going to score a ton of points against the Clippers, but you also have to stop Kawhi and Paul George from scoring. And so it's like, you know, pick your poison really is like uh, the Clippers are on paper, 
best team in the league, in my opinion. 100%. And I think as long as they stay healthy, they'll be that way. I think, you know, everybody was freaking out, you know, at the beginning of uh, off season and everything else. Like, hey, you know, the Warriors split up. You know, ter- you know Kawhi's leaving Toronto. The LeBron, LeBron's split getting AD. You know, the powers have kind of equaled out instead of having two super teams. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Clippers really have an edge up in their super team quote unquote status with the fact of they didn't just get a great score or they didn't just get a great defender. They got two guys who literally, like you said, are two of the best, if not the best two way player in the league. Mm-hmm. It's it's just crazy when you look at the Clippers. Uh, so I guess both of us, we don't have to do, do one by one with number one because both of us have Philly at number one. I currently. don't think they'll stay that way. Yeah. Currently we have Philly at number one. Now, Obviously, the power rankings throughout the season fluctuate up and down, but currently I would say Philly's the best until they play another game without Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But when you look at Philly, honestly, like Joel Embiid, if he can stay healthy, is an MVP candidate, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I mean, I don't personally like Joel Embiid that much. I think he's a great basketball player, though. Uh, not a big fan of Ben Simmons either, but if he starts knocking down a jump shot... See, that's the thing, though, is he's not going to knock down a jump shot, and I think that's going to be what hurts him in the end is because they need to play him as a four like he truly is. Mm-hmm. I think letting him be a point, quote-unquote point guard is going to do nothing but hurt them in the end because, I mean, teams that, you know, like that have players like Giannis and then Kawhi, Paul George, all these guys that can match up with him, and then just force basically force him to stay in the perimeter. It mm-hmm. takes his game completely away. And then you're running pick and roll, and all these guys have, I mean, teammates that can match up with Joel. And as long as you can, and Joel shoots the three better. So I mean, obviously you're gonna hedge. You're not gonna commit to the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, and then you just have backside help. So I don't think that Ben Simmons at point guard is the answer. But I mean, I think losing JJ Reddick's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I mean, I don't even know who. That's what I'm looking at their team right now because I'm like trying to remember. I'm trying to think of where their starting five is even at now. Well, while you're doing that, I'll make another point real quick. Like, if you to kind of echo what you say about Ben Simmons at the point guard, like they should Brett Brown should look at like the the 2010 Miami Heat. And what they did with LeBron. Because mm-hmm. LeBron and Ben Simmons are very similar type players. But LeBron was like, hey, I'm a small forward. I'll play point forward for you, but I'm not going to play point guard. And they had Mario Chalmers on the floor all the time. Exactly. And it stretches the floor because, well, I mean, obviously Mario Chalmers can shoot the ball. But, you know, if Philly can bring in a guy who doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to run the offense mm-hmm. and can shoot a three, then, you know, put put Ben Simmons, let him play the four but let him run your offense the same way that you did with LeBron in 2010. So the thing about it now is that I remember now, they signed Al Horford over the offseason. Yep. And so you have Embiid and Horford at your 4-5, and five, okay? And so then they have listed as their Ben Simmons as their point guard in their, in their depth chart. It goes Ben Simmons at the 1, Josh Richardson, who doesn't shoot the 3 exceptionally well either nope. as their shooting guard. And then you have Tobias Harris... Al Horford and Joel Embiid. And Tobias Harris is realistically your best three-point threat on the floor in your starting five. Here's something that's kind of off topic, but I have to say it and get it on the record because I've been thinking this for a long time. Tobias Harris, to me, is like a poor man's Carmelo Anthony. 
hundred percent. And maybe it's because I grew up watching Mellow. Like maybe Tobias Harris is better than Mellow, but to me, like Tobias Harris is just like a knockoff Carmelo Anthony. Even though I think he does play better defense than Mellow, but that's uh, not a, everyone that, plays better that's defense. Not, that's than not a, that's not a hard thing to achieve. The only player that's ever played worse defense than Mellow is James Harden. So that's true, and he played better offense, so it's excusable. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, I think at the fact of that though. I, I don't know if Philly's going to have to make a, a move, too. I mean, you need a legitimate three-point threat, and the only one I see, even see on their roster that could be that is Trey Burke. Yeah. And so, personally, if I'm Brett ba- Brown and I want to go big the way you're trying to go, sacrifice your six foot four Richardson at the shooting guard, slide Tobias Harris up to the two, let Trey Burke play the point because he handles the ball well and gives you enough of a three-point threat to stretch the floor. And then move Simmons down to play the three. You're mm-hmm. still oversized yep. at three at 6'10". Yeah. Okay. You have Horford who can pick and pop at the three. So that gives you three legitimate three-point threats now. Yeah. With Simmons playing the three, and so you're not having Horford try to chase it, or Harris who's kind of undersized to play a three. Now he's an oversized two. It's kind of the Clay Thompson syndrome. Yeah. And so, I mean, it gives you a better chance there. And then you get the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands as much to where he can backdoor cut, get to the paint, things like that. And then he can just go and bully threes trying to guard him. Yeah, he's so strong. Like, he's strong enough. I, I think Ben Simmons might be one of the only players in the league. That I mean, there's a handful of players in the league that I would say could play feasibly, could play all five positions on the floor. And I think Ben Simmons is one of them, minus his jump shot. Exactly. But, you know, he's started – he worked this offseason on his jump shot. He started this season knocking down a couple of jump shots. I don't know if it will continue. It I, it needs to for his career's sake. But, Even though he just got paid. Yeah, he did just get a lot of money. So we'll see what happens with the Sixers. Uh, both of us have them at one, but I don't think they'll stay there. Um, all right, well, that is our top five power rankings as of right now. If you guys want uh, to see the rest of our power rankings, just comment on this, send us a message, and we'll post some pictures of them. Because, I mean, we don't know what we're talking about, but we like basketball, so we talk just, about basketball. Just avid fans with strong opinions. <laughs> That's right. Even though Josh will overrank the Mavericks just because he's a homer. <laughs> That's true. Okay, yeah. Before we started recording, I told Drew it's very difficult for me not to put the Mavericks in the top five just because I'm a homer for Dallas. Um, I love the Cowboys. Uh, I'm a huge Cardinals fan, but I also really, really like the Rangers. Uh, I just I like Texas. My whole family's from Texas. I can't help it. I hate Houston though. So there's that. Even but, though your brother's an avid Astros. Oh yeah, my brother's the biggest Astros fan in the world. I thought he was going to take the day off work the other day when they lost and stay home and mourn the loss of the Astros, but no, he went to work. I was proud of him. Um, but. Let's move on to, um, we have taken, like I said at the top, we have taken all of the important awards throughout the NBA season and uh, kind of made what we think might be some, I don't know, fairly accurate picks, I would say. I got some dark horses on mine. I'm just going to lead with that right now. (laughs) I have at least one dark horse on mine. I got uh, a couple. I got a couple. 
I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's start with Coach of the Year because that's the award that really nobody cares about, mm-hmm. but it's an important one that gets a part of the NBA award show. So it's all about where you land because you gotta you gotta get wins. Yeah, and they they think the coaches have something to do with that. LeBron should have won like four <laughs> yeah. of these by now. That's that's what I told my wife the other day. Was like it's so hard to choose a Coach of the Year because Coach of the Year could be like like. It was Eric Spolstra for six years because he had LeBron and D-Wade. And now that he doesn't have LeBron and D-Wade, it's like, who's Eric Spolstra, right? Exactly. So, I don't know. Coach of the Year to me is one of those that it's like, it doesn't really matter, but they get a slot at the award show, so we're going to make a prediction. This was more of a thing when Pat Riley was there. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, know, and guys, Phil Jackson. And <laughs> guys where uh, before free agency was a big deal, mm-hmm. where you actually had to coach up your drafted talent instead of just recruiting guys to come play for you. Yep. I think uh, the only coach in the league right now that could feasibly be like the best coach is probably Greg Popovich. Hundred uh, percent. This is not our opinion. the The power ranking was kind of our opinion, sort of, um, but this is going to be like actually who we think could win this award. Mm. Um, so, who you got for coach of the year? I actually have two picks. So, so I'm like, I'm straight up. I've I've watched the Utah Utah Jazz play a couple of games, and I I am a uh, Jazz believer. Uh, especially with some off-season acquisitions. I have Quinn Snyder as coach of the year. I have Quinn Snyder as one of my options. I have I literally typed out coach of the year, Doc Rivers slash Quinn Snyder. Because, I mean, in my mind, it's Quinn Snyder. Mm-hmm. But the people who vote for the award are probably going to look at the wins and loss columns and Doc Rivers is going to have more wins than Quinn Snyder. So whoever wins the West is what you're saying is going to win coach of the year. I think so. Yeah, honestly, because they're going to have the most wins. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be one of the two. I think, I don't think the Lakers are going to be up there. I think their bench is going to get them in too much trouble. And I mean, LeBron's the coach. They can't give him him that award. You can't give Frank Vogel an award for coach of the year. Like he's just, he's just not like if you're going to give, if you're going to give the award for coach of the year to someone on the Lakers staff, it's got to be Jason Kidd. Right? 100%. Like, it can't He's be got, Frank Vogel. <laughs> I mean, Vogel is literally standing there because unlike Luke Walton who took a stand against LeBron a little bit when he was trying when he was trying to question some things, hence why Luke Walton is now the coach at Sacramento because yep. he got canned because of it because LeBron went to Genie Bus and said, "Hey, I don't like this guy. Get him out of here." Yep. And so I mean, that's realistically what happened. Vogel who had it rough in Chicago there for a little while who took some heat. He was like, I need to, you know, get my, get my, uh, coaching cred back a little <laughs> yeah. bit, get some, collect some wins. He's like, I'll go be a standing guy in Los Angeles. I think, I think you're exactly right. So we, we agree Doc Rivers or Quinn Snyder. Uh, I think both of us are probably leaning Quinn Snyder, but realistically it's probably going to be Doc. I think the, the, th- I think Doc will have more wins, but I think the jump the Jazz will make this year is push point. Schneider over the top. That's a good point. All right, so the next one that I have listed, that it's another one that it gets a slot at the show, but nobody really cares about it that much except the players who win it and the teams that have those players. But none of the fans care as Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I have Rudy Gobert as Defensive that, Player of the Year. I have Rudy Gobert, too. I mean, the dude leads the league in shot blocks every year. Yeah, you can't not. like It's either going to be Gobert... Paul George or Draymond Green. And Draymond Green's going to get swallowed because he doesn't have any any defensive help. Yeah. And then I think depending on when Paul George or comes back, 
may or may not give him enough games to actually win the award. I think your clear-cut favorite has to be Gobert. Because one of the statistics I was looking at the other day is there's a drive percentage that they calculate now on StatCast and all of that stuff they track. <laughs> and it's the percentage of drives to the goal that they track during a game for teams. And it is on average like 6% lower when Rudy Gobert is on the defensive side of the ball. It makes sense. He's terrifying. I mean, they call him the Stifle Tower. Like, the I mean, dude is terrifying. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're seven foot three and your wingspan's nine feet, I yeah. mean, yeah. he can stand. He can stand at the on the floor and touch the rim. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm five nine, five ten on a good day when I wear the right shoes. So anyone over like six five terrifies me when I'm playing basketball. Yeah, 100%, so yeah, if, you know, I'm six three, and that's still a thing for me. So. <laughs> All right, so we both have Rudy Gobert there, and I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, next one that I kind of care about, but not a ton, is uh, most improved player. So who do you have for most improved player? So this is straight up, like I said, dark horse kind of deal. Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, who's now in Oklahoma City. He was part of the uh, trade with Paul George. Mm-hmm. And so he's starting at the two. He's traditionally a one, but he's starting at the two. He's learning from Chris Paul. He's going to be able to. He's going to have a lot of time at the one because we all know good and well. Chris Paul is going to be on the move at the trade deadline, and he's going to be injured a lot too. And so, so he's going to get a lot of time at the one, especially with Terrence Ferguson coming in playing the two. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to get a lot of minutes with easy pick and rolls with Stephen Adams. Get a lot of assists, kickouts. And I think he's going to score a lot of points. And he's an above average defender. With yeah. his, he's six foot five. He's an above average point guard height, and he's got some serious weight to him. I think he's going to bully a lot of smaller guards. And I think with him only now being twenty three, getting in the league a couple years now, and you know getting to be a stretch stretch one, uh, he's improved his jump shot. He shoots the three at about thirty three percent clip now, which was not great, but I mean it's better than like he was bricking every shot he took mm-hmm. in the beginning of his career. And so I think he's kind of the dark horse, most improved player for me. I could agree with that. I like Gilgis Alexander. I've liked him since he came into the league. I watched him in summer league when he got drafted and I was like, man, this kid's going to be good. Um, I don't have him. The The player I have, we actually talked about a little bit earlier. The player I have is that if he can keep his jump shot consistent, I think I got to go Ben Simmons. If he can keep his jump shot up, which that remains to be seen. So we'll we'll see what happens. But if if Ben Simmons knocks down a three pointer at like a thirty percent this season with a relatively decent amount of shots, like I mean, mm-hmm. if he if he takes a hundred threes and shoots thirty percent, that's not good enough for me. No. But, but you know, if he takes a relatively decent amount of shots and shoots thirty to thirty five percent from three, I. I'd give it to Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't know that he'll get it just because of... I think he's too established to win the yeah. award. And see, that's that's one thing that I don't he's agree with. He's already been an all-star and everything else. I think the only way he could win that award now from the accolades he's had in his career at this point is he would have to have had a like, season-ending injury and then bounce back. Yeah. And, you know, you had guys like Paul George. Mm-hmm. I think Victor Oladipo is another one that could do that this year because mm-hmm. of said injury and then you know yeah, he was on my short list back and so i mean but i i think ben simmons with the jump shot itself the fit the 
Philadelphia should give him an award if he if he shoots <laughs> shoots that percentage. Yeah. I don't think he'll get most improved player though yeah. on that. And see, that's one thing I don't agree with on most improved is that it has to be a young player. Like, I mean, I know it's not in the rules; it has to be a young player, but it, it always is, right? Like, it's a always young player, like a major second or injury, comeback kind of yeah. deal. I think personally, it should be like look at statistically. What did you do last season versus what did you do this season? Whether it's LeBron, who's been in the league for 16 years, or a kid like Lonzo, who's been in the league for three years. Like, you know, I think another candidate that I would say under those stipulations, no matter the career length, is maybe Russell Westbrook, because he shot very terribly last year. Yeah. And if he comes back and he shoots really well this year, I mean, he almost averaged a triple double again last year. So it's hard Shooting to improve like, on that. Like literally 30% from inside the three point line. <laughs> yeah. But I think also part of that too, is I think he'll shoot statistically better this year. One, because he's not having to force shots, but yeah. two, because of that, his percentages are going to come up mm-hmm. because he's going to not just be forcing shots every time he gets down the floor that I think with, having Harden and, you know, Eric Gordon and all those cats on there, they're going to really give him the chance to actually take open shots yeah. instead of just forcing a shot every time it gets to 10 seconds or less. And less shots too, mm-hmm. which is a huge factor in shot percentage because like, I mean, you look at the amount of shots that the season that Russell Westbrook won the MVP, I tweeted uh, and one of my friends tweeted me back and we kind of got into an argument, but I tweeted when Russell Westbrook won the MVP before the award show, I said Russell Westbrook shouldn't win the MVP because he he's the only player who missed over a thousand shots this year. And one of my friends tweeted me back and was like, "But he averaged a triple double." I was like, "I don't care. They didn't win anything. It should be more <laughs> about your stat line." <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it doesn't. But I don't know. I've got Ben Simmons written down, but my short list, my number two was Victor Oladipo, just because of the injury, and I think. Victor Oladipo, he's an amazing player anyway. And underrated. Leaving Oklahoma City was the best thing that ever happened to him. So, I think he's completely underrated in my opinion because you know after leaving Oklahoma City, he went to smaller markets like Orlando, and then was in and now in Indianapolis. And it's like no one ever thinks about the guy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you got to think, okay? Indianapolis, Oladipo, Miles Turner. I mean, they got some young talent up there that I think once they're healthy, and I mean, Miles Turner got hurt the other night, and mm-hmm. so he has a big ankle injury right now. So I think, but I honestly, if you get them to the point where they're healthy and keep building on their youth, I think they're going to be a team that's going to come back. I agree. Uh, another one that a lot of people have been throwing around is Brandon Ingram. And I thought that Brandon Ingram would win it last year having LeBron on his team. Mm-hmm. I thought having LeBron around would be really good for Brandon Ingram. He never got the 10 minutes, though, man. Yeah, and I think uh, he just put up, I think it was either yesterday or today. I don't know if they've played yet today, but either yesterday or today, he put up like 25 and 8 and 6. And I was like, that's an all-star stat line. Uh, 100%. And, I mean, I think you hear you hear about it all the time when people are struggling, you know, they say, well, sometimes they just need a change of scenery. And it's like they get traded or they sign in free agency, and it's like, yep. oh, holy cow, it's a different guy. Same thing with Oladipo. 100%. And I think, I think you know, change of scenery does a lot of people good. Reggie Jackson moving to Detroit is another good one. Yeah. Because, I mean, Oklahoma City, he had the shadow of playing under Westbrook. And, I mean, and, you know, Kevin Durant was still there at that time. And I think even he was even there when Harden was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went to Detroit, and it was like, hey – you know, I have Andre Drummond, but besides that, we're going to be kind of bad for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I can really learn how to grow. And then, you know, 
now he's got, you know, Derrick Rose up there in Detroit with him can help him grow in that sense as well. But I've always considered the most improved player since it's definitely leaning towards first, second, third year players. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily first, but second, third, fourth year players. Uh, I've always called it a contract award. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're getting that award, you're showing that you're going to improve and everything else. And you're going to get paid because especially those third, fourth year guys who are coming up on contract extensions or they're getting at the end of their first contract, getting that award big time when you're arguing about money. We saw what happened to uh, Pascal Siakam up in Absolutely. Toronto. He got the award last year, and he got a huge payday. It helps that they don't have Kawhi Leonard on the books. But still, like, I don't know that a guy like Pascal Siakam is a great basketball player, far better than I could ever dream of being. Dude balled out in the championship, though. That's true, but I don't know that one series... I don't want. I don't know the one series justifies a contract that big, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, it could be another, you know, uh, Bam Adebayo contract, you know, because he had that great, great uh, finals with Toronto when mm-hmm. Valanciunas went down, and so he is kind of the undersized center, six ten, super long arms. But you know, Valanciunas went down, and then Bam went off in the uh, in the uh, playoffs, and then. Orlando signed him, and now he's in Sacramento because he just didn't do anything after mm-hmm. that. All right, so we've done Coach of the Year, we've done Defensive Player, and we've done Most Improved. Uh, let's see. We're going to save MVP for last, so let's go, let's go Sixth Man, uh, and as you rightfully dubbed it before the show started, the Lou Williams Award, because uh, that's, that's who I have. It's still going to be Lou Williams. Yeah. I mean, literally, the only reason it's not named this right now is because he's still in the league. Yeah. I mean... After this guy's over, I mean, his shelves are littered with it. And I've been saying it forever. The dude deserves to come off. The dude doesn't deserve to come off the bench after as many points as he puts up for the Clippers day in, day out. But, you know, he is an absolute microwave off the bench. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, without a doubt, unless he gets hurt, Lou Williams is the guy. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it, it. I've got Lou Williams written down. That's, that's my pick uh, as of right now. November 1st, Lou Williams is sixth man of the year. Uh, it depends on what Houston does with their starting five, though, because Eric Gordon coming off the bench could be a contender. Because Eric Gordon, he's played very consistent basketball the past three years, but last year he got a starting position, and so mm-hmm. it kind of took him out of that. But um, depending on what Houston does with their starting five, but you can't not pick Lou Will. No, and I think Gordon stays on the floor. I think you see a lot of P.J. Tucker as the sixth man in Houston. That's and a good so, point. Yeah, uh, because I think you slide Gordon to the three mm-hmm. defensively, slides PJ to the bench. Yeah, unless they go small and put PJ at the four. But I mean, either way, I think you see one of them as the first guys off the bench in Houston. But uh, you know, my big thing for Lou Williams though too is you know, as soon as someone gets in foul trouble, I mean, who's the guy who plays the most minutes at the end of the game for the Clippers? Lou will. I mean, and he's coming off the bench. (laughs) But there's a reason for that because he comes off the bench late in the first half, stays out of foul trouble. Then you got Patrick Beverly, not the greatest scorer, but he's a great ball ball facilitator. He's an on-ball defending nightmare Mm -hmm. for people. But because of that, I mean, he also leads the league in in, uh, most steals. So, I mean, he's going to get in foul trouble because of the way he plays. But, I mean, when you have guys like Lou Williams, it gives him the ability to play like that Arkansas represent Patrick Beverly right <laughs> yeah, there Patrick Bev another one that nobody really talks about that I don't know that he would technically be the sixth man of the year because he's on the same team as Lou Will is Montrez Harrell I don't know like what's the ruling on that would you give a sixth man of the year award to a seventh man <laughs> like, I don't think I think it's called that but I mean 
It's I basically mean, just bench player, right? Guys coming, guys coming off the bench can, is decided differently every night. Yeah. And so, I mean, because it's all depending on what's happening in the game, who gets gassed out, you know, everything else. But, I mean, Harrell's another great option, too. I think he could get a lot of starting time at the five before it's all said and done there, too. Because, I mean, he's long and, you know, they don't need a big center that scores. They just need a guy who has a lot of uh, jokish resemblance because uh, Joker shoots it better. But, I mean, Harrell will pass the ball really well out of the Mm -hmm. paint. Reminds me a lot of Mark Gasol when when he was in Toronto. Um, but I mean, just passes the ball incredibly well out of the paint. And then defensively, I mean, he just fits the mold that they're trying to build over there. It's true. So we both agree. Lou will possibly Montrez. We'll just kind of see what happens. But at this point you can't bet against Lou. Will. No, it's going to be a clipper. I think, I think yeah. it's going to be hard to miss. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So that narrows it to what rookie of the year and MVP. So yep. let's go rookie of the year. And I think it's unanimous here, but it may not be. You may surprise me. I've got Zion, uh, even with the injury that he hasn't played yet. I've still got Zion. Cause when he comes back, like the dude is, he's the best athlete we've seen since LeBron. I think he's going to be a better athlete than LeBron just physically size wise. LeBron from Miami, where everybody thought he went on steroids for a couple of years, Zion's <laughs> still bigger than him. Yeah. Now, he's not cut like him, mm-hmm. but he's just as stout as he is. And he's taller, faster, stronger. The only th- difference right now is Zion's going to have to do the same thing that LeBron did and develop a three-point shot. Yeah, learn to shoot the ball. And, I th- and he's left-handed, so I mean... It's just crafty, hard-to-guard stuff anyways. And yep. I think that's part of why he can slash to the rim so well is because mm-hmm. he's left-handed. People keep trying to push him left out of natural reaction, and he's like, okay, strong hand. Yeah, I'll go left because that's what I'm good at. I think um, it, if he bounces back from this injury the way that I think he will, he started shooting much better the end of last season at Duke. And he shot pretty well. I wouldn't say like exceptionally well, but he shot pretty well in the preseason and summer league. So, I mean, to me, he's not going to be a stretch four or if they play him at a small five, if they run small, he's not going to stretch the floor because he's so ferocious in the paint. Like you, 100%. Like if he catches the ball at the three and shoots a three, it's going to be because he's wide open and nobody's near him. And like, why not? Right? Well, think of all the shooters around him, though. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to. Yeah. And that's the great thing they did with this trade, with the trade for Anthony Davis, is they got Ingram who shoots the three, Josh Hart who shoots the three, Lonzo who's developed a better three point shot. Much then better. Then you signed JJ Redick. Oh, I yeah. mean, you, and Drew Holiday's no slouch from the three point. Absolutely line not. And so I mean, putting Zion on the floor with those guys, yeah, he's gonna have to shoot a three every now and then to basically keep people honest. But mm-hmm. besides that, the dude's gonna go do what the dude does, and that's tear up the paint. Yeah, he's gonna dunk it a lot. Like, yeah, and <laughs> high percentage shots. Yeah, that lead to free throw. That lead to th- free throws, which he shoots at like an eighty percent clip when mm-hmm. he's in Duke. So I mean, it's gonna do nothing but just add up quickly and and heavily. Uh, I did not have him as rookie of the year though. I was about to say I, the only other one I could think of was maybe John Morant or maybe Barrett. Nope. But I have R.J. Barrett because unlike Zion, who got drafted onto a team that didn't finish well. Uh, last year, but you know they made a lot of moves and got a lot of good players, and I think I think uh, the Pelicans quietly could slip into the playoffs this year. Uh, I think as an eight seed, I mean they're gonna get somebody really good and probably get just overwhelmed in the first round. But I think they could slip into the playoffs right there at the end, just depending if they stay healthy or not, because their bench is bad. 
Their no, bench is really bin- bad. Yeah, their their bench is like Laker bad. Yeah, it's it's probably worse than Laker <laughs> bad. But I mean, but it's not because of just bad players. It's because of youth, mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing in New Orleans. And so I I think the best thing they did was buying into the youth and letting them go. And you know, JJ Reddick's the oldest guy on the team, and he's twenty nine or thirty maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, he's going to be a great locker room leader guy too because he's super verbal and he'll you know keep people honest. But I mean, think about how many Duke guys are there. Yeah. I mean, think about how many UCLA, UCLA guys are there. Yeah. I mean, it's blue blood te- guys that are coming together, and I think it's going to be a really good turnout for them. I, on the other hand, though, had R.J. Barrett because because of him being a Nick, he has no help yeah. whatsoever. It's and all is, on him. It's like him and Julius Randall. Like. <laughs> who has not played well to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout out Bobby Porras, who looks like trash right now, too. Uh, Go Arkansas. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> we signed seven power forwards in the offseason, New York Knicks, and then drafted R.J. Barrett, who should play power forward, who's <laughs> yeah. now playing the two. Yeah. But the guy is straight carrying his team right now. And, I mean, so I was watching a clip of him the other day because, you know, he's putting up, like, all-star numbers. He's realistically could be an all-star player this year because he's scoring a third of their points and getting the assists on basically all the other ones. But he ran a pick-and-roll with Bobby Portis the other day, and it looked like straight out of the Chris Paul handbook when he was in Miami. He picked to his left. He took the pick and sat and kind of hugged the defender, and so it made the guy who was on the roll – hesitate because he thought it was maybe a pick and pop and then Portis make a quick made a quick jab to the to the rim easy dunk and so I mean he's running the offense in New York better than I thought he would at this age and I think that could make the difference of him being rookie of the year that's true I I I hadn't thought about um, RJ Barrett but I mean you're right RJ Barrett's running the offense not like a first year player so that's a kind of a dark horse pick but it could be I mean could be legit. We'll, I, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, so the big dog, the MVP. Um, I think I think mine's a dark horse. He was a candidate last year, but I think a lot of people, when they look at candidates from last year, they try not to pick the same candidate for two years in a row just because, like, I mean, unless it's like Steph Curry from a couple years back. Guys who are consistently in the conversation. Yeah. Mine's kind of a dark horse, uh, so I'll go first. We may have the same player. I don't know. We haven't talked about this one. Nope. Um, my MVP is the Joker, Nikola Jokic. That's a good pick. I really think, I mean, Denver's going to be really good. And I, I mean, getting wins is just as important as anything. Uh, you know, Westbrook's the only guy I can remember that got the MVP on just a bad team. And that was mm-hmm. because it was the first time he averaged a triple double. And I think the Joker is a big deal. Um, I think the only thing that could hurt him is he's not a big personality. And, you know, they like to lean towards these big personalities, but the guy mm-hmm. I picked is not a big personality either. Um, but he passes the ball way better as a big man than any, than half the point guards in the league. He yeah. averages more assists. And then, I mean, he's a rim protector, grabs boards left and right, and he's going to get his own. He's going to get his when it comes to scoring points. And he can shoot, too. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, he stretches the floor. He's one of the best shooting bigs in the league. I mean, maybe behind maybe AD and Chris Porzingis, he's one of the best shooting bigs in the league. And, uh, well, Larry I don't Markaken. know. Yeah, he's another one. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Splash Mountain, Brooke Lopez. Yes. Uh, I I don't know, man. I think I think the Joker just the way that he passes the ball. In my mind, the MVP is like the MVP of his like the most valuable pl- person to his team. 100%. And I think if you take Joker off the floor, not well. Okay, so you take him off the floor, they can get by till he's 
checks back into the game, right? Like, yeah. Because they're a good team. They've got young talent. They play defense really well. If you take him out of the game, like injury out of the game, I think Denver might slide out of the playoffs if Joker gets injured. And that's where I think New Orleans could slide up is something like that, where you have a Denver or uh, even you get to, you like know, Portland, Portland, Phoenix, even. Yeah, I think Phoenix, Phoenix playing well. They're playing well, and I think they could slide in there too. But same thing, injury bug comes, you never what's know what, yeah. what's going to go down. Yeah, And so, I mean, I think he's definitely the most valuable player to their team. And I don't think... I think they legitimately run the offense through him at the high post. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people want to say uh, that Murray runs the show in Denver, and I don't think it's true. No. Murray, he's a great young scoring point guard. And, I mean, he gets he's got good assist numbers, but a lot of it is fast break numbers. 100%. I mean, when you look at it, a lot of it's fast break numbers. When they get in a, in a half-court set, it's... Jokic is running the half court set. Yeah, because he runs everything from the high post. And so mm-hmm. he just, I mean, he's holding the ball over his head and just hitting passes in the corners. And I mean, Murray works better off ball offensively anyways. He's not a pull-up guy. He's a set shot. Mm, I think Murray, he, I think he's more comfortable at the one cause, just because he probably, and I think a lot of these guys that come into the league as like a one or a two that play more like a ball dominant is because they played on bad high school teams and they had they were the best player on their team and had the ball in their hands all the every time. possession well and, and so Mur- and you gotta think too murray played on one of the less competitive kentucky teams yeah when he was in college and so i think that kind of made him because it forced him to have the ball in his hands a lot when he was in kentucky even though i think he's really a good off ball too i think he could be a great off ball too mm-hmm. but almost like a clay thompson type real good catch and shoot because uh, you know you never hear about thompson you know handling the ball unless he's trying to get the ball up the floor helping helping out that way mm-hmm. but murray reminds me a lot of him because he never stops moving yep and so I think that's where he could be really helpful in Denver. And I think that's why having a passing big at the free throw line is huge for him. Because, I mean, Jokic can, you know, take one step out and become a screen and then just dip the ball down to him on the way by. It's He's like a bigger Draymond Green. Yes, 100%. I mean, that's really what he is. So uh, who's, your, who's your MVP? And so, then we'll talk about the finals. Like I said, MVP, Dark Horse, Mike Conley. <laughs> Utah Jazz. I can dig it because Mike Conley, like I said earlier, Mike Conley's my favorite player in the league, and he has been for several years. Probably, I think it was like 2015 when the Warriors won their first one, uh, or maybe their second one. I can't remember. But the war or the the Grizzlies made a big push and took him to seven games, Mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with Mike Conley. Just the way he controls the ball, the way he controls the pace of the game. I mean, he's left-handed, so he's crafty. He's hard to guard. He shoots the three really well. Mike Conley's my favorite player in the league. And so, same comparisons for what he's going to have to do, kind of like what we were talking about with Westbrook earlier. He's not going to have to force as many shots to score. In Memphis, he was the only guy. He, he can take some time off, so when he's on the floor, he's going to be at 100%. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be the big deal for him. And then on top of that, he's going to have more options to pass the ball to. His assist numbers are going to go up, which means his shooting percentage is going to go down, which makes his overall shooting percentage better. And then, I mean, guy still plays great defense and rebounds above average for a point guard. For his height, yeah. Because, I mean, he's not – there are some point guards in the league like Russ or like um, Lonzo who are just like – they're just big point guards. Mike Conley is – what is he, like 6'3"? Like, yeah, he's, he's not, listed at 6'3". He's not a huge guy, like – I mean, he's pretty big. Nor 
average height in America, 6'3 is pretty good. Yeah, but when you're talking about the NBA, like, 6'3 is one of the shorter guys in the league. Exactly. Right? So, uh, his rebound numbers at his height is impressive. I mean, it's Dwayne Wade-esque, really. Mm-hmm. And Mike Conley, I think, has been a player that has been underrated his entire career. And I think this year in Utah that he's just going to, like, He's going to blow everybody away, and everybody's going to finally realize what Mike Conley Jr. is capable of. Exactly, and I think this could be a career-changing destination for him, And which, at the end, because he didn't sign long-term with Utah. When, I don't think so. And so, I mean, he's still going to have a contract coming up, and with him, you know, he's 32, 33, and I think there's still a lot of gas left in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'll be interesting if he plays as well as I kind of expect him to play this year. Uh, what his contract offers will look like in the upcoming years. I think it's going to be a lot of teams that are maybe not teams that are looking for those vets to push them over like the Warriors the past couple of years, but I think it'll be a lot of teams that are like, we're missing one piece and we need somebody who can score, but is a really good defender at the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And that's even something that I think could happen this season is like, if Conley just goes off this year, I would watch the trade deadline and see what happens. It's going to have to be some big package. Yeah, I don't think Utah is going to... I, I don't think Utah is selling. I don't, because I think they're competing. I yeah, really they, do. If if they're if they're selling at the deadline, you're going to have to blow them away. Yeah. Because basically taking Conley out of that lineup is them packing it in for the season. Yeah, that's them hanging it up for the year. So And so there's going to be either injuries are going to have to happen to where they that pulls them out of contention... Or there's going to have to be a package that is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And it, even if they're out of the playoff, it's still going to have to be otherworldly to get him. Yeah. I mean, Mike Conley is extremely undervalued, underrated. And I I might take back my pick of the Joker and agree with you that Mike Conley could be the MVP this year. And he's not on anybody's radar. I spent he's like not. 15 minutes looking at this beforehand. So, he's I mean, not. He's not even in the betting in Vegas right now. What's crazy, too, is like the Jazz, we both have them in the top three, and I bet I could count on one hand the number of games that the NBA gave them nationally televised at the beginning of the season. Now, that's subject to change, obviously, obviously. as the season goes on, but at the beginning of the season when they made their schedule, I bet you could count on one hand and maybe half of the other one how many games they had nationally televised. 100%. Like, I caught a game the other night, and it was on, like, ESPNU or something like that. Yeah. It was like 11.30 because, you know, they're playing out west, and so it's late. And it was like 11.30, and they were playing Sacramento. And I was like, yeah. And they were just <laughs> killing them. Uh-huh. But. All right, so that uh, wraps up our power rankings and then our important awards. Now let's talk about Western Conference champs, Eastern Conference champs, finals champs, finals MVP. We'll blow through it quick because we are coming up on – we're coming up on an hour – so we'll blow through these last four quick, and then we'll wrap up. So who you got winning the West? Uh, I think it's Utah and, and uh, the L.A. Clippers in the finals. I think it goes to seven. I think it goes to distance. I think you see some really tough games right there going back and forth, but you can't go against Kawhi and Paul George if they're healthy. And so I think in seven, the Clippers take it home in the West. That's what I got. I've got Clippers taking it, and I think same thing. I think – if it's not Utah, I think it'll be maybe the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets are they're deep, they're long, they can shoot the ball, they play defense. They match up as well as anybody with the Clippers. Yeah, I think uh, I still think the Clippers win, 
Um, depending on who they're playing, probably six games, maybe seven games. But I, I don't have my other West team nailed down as solid as you do. I mean, I've got anywhere. I've My top five has four Western Conference teams. And really, any of the other three other than the Clippers could be there. Yeah, but I'm a hard sell on the Utah Jazz. I'm just yeah. kind of sold. Yeah, I, and I, I get it. Like, they're so good. Uh, but I've got the Clippers coming out because, I mean, is Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Bev, Lou Will, Montrez Harrell. They're deep, man. They've got a lot of good players. they got a lot of good defenders. And they've got Lou Will, who literally, he comes off the bench and gives you 30 points. 100%. And he'll end up playing a lot of those late minute. I mean, how many times do you see Beverly on the floor in the fourth quarter? Hardly ever. (laughs) And it's because Lou Will is on the floor because he's scored 28. He's playing great defense. And it's like, if you give him any room at all, he's going to pull one in your face. Mm Mm-hmm. Lou Williams is my wife's favorite basketball player because she watched one Clippers game with me last year and he scored like 44 off the bench and she was like, he's my favorite. So she doesn't even know his name, but he's... 23 in black. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Eastern Conference, uh, I've got the 76ers. I think think, um, there are two teams that could challenge the Sixers in the East. One of them could reasonably win a championship. The other one, I think if they got there, they'd be steamrolled i think the celtics or the bucks could contend with the sixers but i think the sixers win the east i think the celtics are a year away because they lost all their veteran leadership jason tatum is another one who could realistically be up for a most improved player yep. uh, because he's gonna have to actually step into a leadership role with the celtics lineup or gordon um, hayward we hadn't i didn't think about that for injury it's tough just, though it's tough See, he's not going to have to force the shots like he yeah. did when he was in Utah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just one of those deals where it's like, I think Hayward's the guy now. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be the guy. And so, at that point, you know, and it's kind of at this weird spot, too, because you have, like, Jalen Brown, who's playing the two, and then Hayward, who's playing the three, and then Tatum playing the four. But they're all three realistically threes. Yeah. And so, it just kind of puts you in this weird spot like, I think Tatum's going to have to score 30 a game to carry them through. And then Jalen Brown's going to have to go off. And, you know, Gordon Hayward's going to have to truly have to play well. And then uh, Simi Ojale, mm-hmm. uh, that plays like the small center for them, he's going to have to play really well against Joel Embiid because, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the only way they dwarf him. But I think Philly just wears him down with their size before it's all said and done. I agree. That's... That's why if the Celtics make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I love the Celtics. I'm a big Celtics fan. Uh, when I started watching the NBA in 2008, that was when they had their big three. And so I fell in love with Paul Pierce. I've been a Celtics fan since. Not as much as I love the Mavericks, but I do love my Celtics. Um, if the Celtics make it there, I think the only reason that they don't win that, I think they match up well at every position except the five. Because Ennis Kanter is a great offensive five. Mm-hmm. But he's not great on defense. And I mean, then, he's average at best. <laughs> Simi, who's the big man off the bench for them? I mean, he's, he's small. Only, he's six nine. Yeah, he's and small. So, I mean, and Joel Embiid is a big man. And so I mean, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the big problem. And yeah. I think the Celtics are a year away because I think if they get if I think this summer they'll be able to make a couple moves and really get back into good contention. I mean. Brad Stevens is the guy. I He's mean, such a good coach. I mean, he. I. I keep telling people all the time. You know, I think he should have been the next USA basketball coach because I think he has the mutual respect from all the players that Pop gets coming mm-hmm. from the college ranks, 
and having it and winning at Butler when he was at Butler yep. and then coming to Boston and turning them around. Mm-hmm. And I think he should have been the next USA basketball coach, but you know, we don't, I don't get a say in that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, All right. So who do you got out of the East? I got Milwaukee it? out of the East. I just really? think, I think Giannis is a force to be reckoned with Robin Lopez as the signing that we talked about earlier. Uh, just, you know, brother of Brooke Lopez. I mean, I think he shoots the ball well and stretches the floor well enough that it's just going to be insane to guard. And I mean, you can't forget, uh, oh, Eric Bledsoe playing point guard. Eric Bledsoe's he's a he's a baller, man. Uh, he's underrated too. Well, I mean, when you're playing with Giannis, I mean, everybody on that to, yeah. roster is underrated. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon's another one on that team that I think really could have a breakout year. He won Rookie of the Year, but it was a weak rookie year, really. Well, I mean, everyone thought. Uh, Kevin Dunn or Kevin Dunn was going to wear that win that when he came out of Villanova that year and then just didn't turn out. Yeah, he just is he still in Chicago now? He's just he's one that I think he could turn it around. I just don't I haven't seen it from him yet, but Chicago's going to be a good place for him to actually get to get some minutes to try though. Yeah, that's true because Chicago has been rebuilding for about 6 years now. So <laughs> they're forever going to be rebuilding. <laughs> that's true. So you've got the Bucks and the Clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the Clips and the Sixers. So you go ahead and go first. Tell your winner, and then I'll go. I think the Clips take it in six, man. I just, I think they're just going to be too much to handle. And I think the difference when you get into a lot of this stuff, you see a lot of six man, maybe seven man rotations when you get into the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. The Clips are. They're Good. so deep. They're deep, eight, nine deep, and will legitimately rotate people every time out, every free throw session to keep people fresh. And I mean, especially with having Kawhi and PG and, you know, Pat Bev and Lou Williams, you're always going to have scores on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so you're never going to have that lull that a lot of these teams run into. And so I think they just overwhelm people. And take, I, I say take it in six because, I mean, everybody gets a game at home. Yeah, just because, especially probably the first one, because it's just overwhelming, uh, just with the atmosphere when you get down there in the first game. But after that, I think they handle business. Take it in six. I've got the clips in six as well. I, I just I agree with you. I echo everything you say. I don't think I don't think anybody. One, I don't think you can score enough points on them, and I don't think you can stop their scorers. I just I don't see it happening. Um, I think with as deep as they are, it's going to be easier this year in the playoffs for Kawhi than it was last year in Toronto. Cause Toronto, you know, pretty much the entire playoffs, they ran what a seven man rotation. If that this year in LA, he's going to have eight, possibly nine man rotation all the way through the playoffs into the finals. And so he's not going to have to play as many minutes. He's going to play the big minutes, but he won't have to play, but he'll be, he'll be a hundred percent. Yeah. He won't have, minutes. he won't have to play 45 minutes a game, you know? And so I think having, Having one of, if not the best, two-way player in the game, fresh every time he's on the floor, you can't. I mean, you can't bet against the Clippers. And you can echo that with Paul George as well. It's true. Um, I actually, I'll go ahead and tell my Finals MVP, and then you can tell yours. I actually, I'm talking up Kawhi, but I have Paul George as my Finals MVP. So do I. Because I think, um, I think, I think Kawhi will carry the scoring in the Finals, but I think that Paul George will. Also, I think he'll be 23, 24 points a game in the finals. And I also think that he'll be so good defensively that you can't, I mean, he's going to guard, he'll guard their best player. Whoever they're playing in the finals, he'll guard their best player. 
I don't think if it's Milwaukee, he'll guard Giannis. I think Kawhi will be on Giannis. But um, I'll agree with you on a lot of that. Uh, but I think Paul George will score a lot more than you think he will when it matters. I think I hope so. I think consistently he stretches the floor a little more. Kawhi, I think, is still a little shaky on his three. He'll hit the mm-hmm. open three, but he's not going to pull up like Paul George is. And I think Paul George, especially with you know Montrez Harrell and and those guys, he'll run a lot of pick and roll when it gets to crunch time minutes. And which I mean, obviously, will open up Kawhi for mid range dump and mm-hmm. dump and goes. But I mean, I think Paul George offensively will take more of a uh, burden on that than Kawhi will. And I think that's where Kawhi would rather be. I think he would rather be a second option offensively. I agree. Uh, to where he's not touching the ball every time. And I think him doing that, it'll raise his defensive level back up to where it was when he was in San Antonio. I could agree with that. I think um, I think a lot of the Clippers remains to be seen when PG comes back. Because the way they're playing right now, Kawhi, you know, Kawhi's their number one, 100%. Just like it was in Toronto. Yeah, and if if Paul George... It depends on what Doc wants to do when Paul George comes back. Because if Doc keeps it the way that they're running now and has Paul George as the number two option, which I think Paul George would be fine with. He was the number two option in OKC for a year. So, I mean, I think he'd be okay with that. was committed to staying there until, until, you know, league MVP guy who just won won a ring for Toronto, you know, he calls and how do you say no? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I... I don't know. I think, I think to me, um, the most I see Paul George averaging points wise in the finals is like twenty six, maybe twenty six, maybe twenty seven, and I think Kawhi is probably close to twenty nine. But I think that's just because Kawhi plays big in the big moments. I can agree with that. Uh, I think you could see a couple of games though where Paul Paul George really takes over, maybe and a couple forty puts up points, thirty five, forty points a game. And, you know, just kind of goes in a heat check situation and just mm-hmm. completely takes over. And then Kawhi will willingly, because unlike a lot of guys in this league who are worried about getting their shots up, he'll see his teammate like that and they'll be like, great, I'll play defense and just keep kicking you the ball. Yep. I agree. All right. So to uh, recap, we won't go through everything, but to recap, we both have the Clips winning in six and we both have Paul George. Um we agreed on a lot of the awards, not all of them, but several of them. And for the most part, we had the same teams in our power rankings. Um, little difference in uh, position-wise there, but mostly agreed. And I had the Lakers, you didn't. You had Houston instead of the Lakers, which I can agree with. But for the most part, I think I think either one of these lists could be accurate at the end of the season. I 100% agree. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you got to... Depend on injuries, especially when you're only carrying 14 on a roster. You have a couple guys go down. I mean, that's the season-changing stuff. But, I mean, like, the big thing to watch for, I mean, Denver, I had seven. You had them up there closer to, closer in your top five. Uh, and then, obviously, out of the West San Antonio, you can never count out either. That's true. And so That's true. I was thinking about that earlier when I was going through and writing out my top five. I was thinking, man, San Antonio's a good basketball team. But it's weird, though, because, like, San Antonio, you can't ever count them out because of Pop. Like, it's different when you look at, like, the Clippers. You can't bet against the Clippers because of Kawhi. Yeah. When you look at San Antonio, it's hard to bet against the Clippers or bet against the, the Spurs because of Pop. Because he's the best coach in the league. Yeah. Possibly one of the best coaches ever. Like, I mean, he's up there, top three, top five best coaches ever. Oh, he's ever. within the top three. Top five, I think, is almost disrespecting the guy. <laughs> that's, that's true. So, that's why I said top three first. <laughs> here's, 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 my, here's my question for you, though. 
real quick. If you had to go all the way out to 30, where would you put the Warriors right now in their current state? Right now, currently, D'Angelo Russell's your best player. I don't know, man. Mid-20s? I, I 23. I like 21. I yeah. Like 21. I mean, 23, 24, somewhere. Mid-20s, because, I mean... D'Angelo Russell, sorry, I can't talk. D'Angelo Russell is no slouch. Like, I mean, he's a great ball player, but he's not Steph. He's not Clay. He's not KD. He's not DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, you lost a lot of firepower this offseason. And now with Steph getting hurt, I didn't even have him in the top 10 with Steph just because they're so young and with no Clay. And they lost all their depth. Yeah. I mean, their bench, everyone on their team is young. Like, everyone. And they don't have Iguodala anymore. They don't. Do they still have Sean Livingston? Nope, he's gone. Yeah. Too. So they they don't have Sean Livingston. They don't have Iggy. They don't have Clay. Even with Steph Curry, like a healthy Steph Curry, if he hadn't broken his hand this week, I still probably eleven, twelve. But currently, without Curry, probably anywhere from twenty one to twenty five. I will agree with that. I don't know, man. NBA is crazy. Well, I'm just excited because it's leveling the playing field. 100%. Yeah. It's making it worth watching again. Yeah. That's uh, me and my wife were talking about the other day, and I told her, I was like, it's crazy how fast the NBA changes because, like, 2008, you had your first big three, and then it was to contend, you got to have three all-stars or at least three really good players um, for, I mean, how many years up to 2015? And then it's like the Warriors bust onto the scene and they're like, okay, now you have to have super teams to win. And now all of a sudden in one summer, it's like, okay, who's the best duo in the league? And that team might win. And well, and I think the biggest thing that did that was watching Kawhi and Pascal or Kawhi and, you know, uh, Lowry, you know, they were just really, a, it was kind of a trio, but they hardly ever played on the floor together. It was yep. always just two of them. And so I think they really kind of proved everybody that you can win with two really good players and a great group of skill players beside you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's all we got. We got a little over an hour, but that's all right because we covered a lot. We covered more than I thought we would. Um, So I got nothing else to say. You want to shout out your social media? Oh, at DrewFitz29, all social media platforms. There you go. I'll throw it in the description too. Um, so check him out on Twitter. I know he's very active on Twitter. Uh, so guys, that's pretty much it. We've got our, our way too early NBA predictions. Um, let us know what yours are. Send us some messages. Let us know if you want to see the rest of our power rankings. I didn't make mine. Drew did. Uh, but if you want to see that, we can post those pictures. It'll constantly change anyways. That's true. Um, and keep in mind, this is as of November 1st, so we've literally only had two weeks of basketball up to this point. And we've already seen some crazy stuff like Steph Curry get hurt. So that changed the MVP for me right off the bat. When I came up with this topic a week ago, I was like, MVP, Steph Curry, 100%. He's going to carry. Broke his hand. All right, now who's the MVP? I don't know. Um, but sports are crazy. Basketball is going to be crazy this year. It's going to be fun to watch again. Oh, absolutely. For the first time in a couple of years because, I mean – couple years ago i mean it was like okay who are the warriors going to play in the finals out of the east and then <laughs> yeah. how long is it going to take them to, to finish and then now it's like you never never know who could win on any given night mm, it's gonna be really good um i think the last thing that i will say is go mavericks 
but also go jazz, man. Like adding Mike, adding Mike Conley kind of made me, uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a bandwagon fan, but I will say I'm a bandwagon fan because I love Mike Conley. Oh dude, I'm not an, I don't have an NBA team. And so I think that pulls me away from being a true bandwagoner, but I've totally latched on to the wagon in 2020 with the, with the jazz. It's hard not to like the jazz. So, all right guys, that is going to do it. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening. Be sure to check us out on patreon.com forward slash the nerdcast one. And if you saw earlier today, I posted a video on Facebook and Instagram. We just started a YouTube channel. It's going to have a lot of cool content on there. So check that out. It's just JRB space studios. Uh, guys, thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.